This is the Author Blur Podcast, where readers and authors connect. We are here for you to learn and discover those authors who are not either large names or as popular as some might find, but they're entertaining, they're fun, and they're enjoyable to listen to in these interviews. So take the time, learn more about them, enjoy the interviews, and remember to go to authorblurb.com where you can find out more about them, about the shows, and other guests that we have. So this is Author Blurb, where I am speaking with Brandon James Crawford, and he's written a book all about the Baptist Church, if I'm remembering correctly. Brandon, I appreciate you being here. I want to get to know more about your book because I do enjoy learning more about the church and different aspects of religion as well. Can you go in for me and tell us a little bit about yourself? and a bit about your book so that everyone can know more about it. Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me on today. Um, as you say, my name is Brandon Crawford. Uh, I'm the lead pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Marshall, Michigan, where I've been since September of 2010. I'm also the husband of Melanie. We were married in 2006. And then I'm the father of Daniel and Sarah, ages uh, seven and six. As far as my education is concerned, I have an MDiv from Detroit Baptist Theological Seminary, and then I earned a THM and a PhD in Historical Theology from Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary in Grand Rapids. Uh, as far as the book is concerned, it's entitled The Baptist Confession of Faith and Catechism for Dispensational Churches, and that title may require a little bit of explanation. <laughs> okay. Yes. So um, back in 1677, uh, there were a couple of Baptist pastors named William Collins and Nehemiah Cox uh, who wrote this confession of faith uh, for their church in London. It was called the Petty France Church. And basically the way they wrote this confession is they looked at the Westminster Confession of the Presbyterians and then the Savoy Declaration of the Congregationalists. And they used those kind of as the foundation for their own confession of faith. And the only places where they made any adjustments were in areas that they needed to outline Baptist distinctives. Uh, so some areas where Baptists would be different from say Presbyterians and Congregationalists, things like um, the proper mode of, of baptism, of course Baptists practice uh, baptism by full immersion to water. Um, we only baptize uh, believers, um, not infants. And so uh, some changes like that needed to be made to the confession. Uh, also, some differences in the proper relationship between church and state, uh, just some little things like this. Uh, so these two pastors, they drew up this confession of faith, their congregation adopted it, and it became uh, very popular. It was distributed to other Baptist churches in and around Great Britain. Um, finally, 1689 comes along, and in England, the Act of Toleration is passed. This allows dissenting churches like the Baptists to start publicly promulgating their faith uh, before it had been illegal for them to do so. And so the Baptist churches in Great Britain immediately seized this opportunity. They formed a great general assembly in 1689. More than 100 Baptist churches were represented. And there they officially adopted this confession of faith um, as the doctrinal standard for all of their churches. And from there, the, the Baptist Confession of Faith um, began to spread all over the world. It, it crossed the Atlantic, it came to North America, 
It was adopted by Northern Baptist churches. They called it the Philadelphia Confession. Uh, then it was adopted by Baptist churches in the South. It was called the Charleston Confession. And it really became the, uh, the standard um, uh, confession for Baptist churches uh, all over the English-speaking world. Um, now, it fell out of favor during the 19th, um, first half of the 20th centuries, um, but it, uh, it has seen a real revival in the last, well, I'd say 30 or 40 years. So a lot of renewed interest in, in this historic confession of faith. Um, a lot of new churches, even entire associations of churches, coming to adopt this confession of faith again. And um, dispensational Baptist churches have really developed a renewed interest in it as well. Um, dispensational churches are, are a little different. Uh, dispensational Baptists, I should say. They're a little bit different from the Baptists who originally wrote this confession. Um, they they understand the uh, the Old and New Testaments a little bit differently, how these two testaments relate uh, to one another. Um, it, it creates some just some differences in uh, in the interpretation of, of some biblical texts. And so where I thought I could make a contribution here is to take the um, original Baptist Confession of Faith, the one written in 1677, adopted in 1689, and just make a, a couple of of minor changes to that confession so that it would be compatible with a dispensational understanding of the scriptures, um, so that it would make some, some tweaks in, in uh, the relationship between Old and New Testaments and, and so forth, and that if I publish this, I thought it could really be useful to, uh, to dispensational Baptists. And so that's what I did. Um, that's the first half of the book. Um, of course, I include the original letter to the reader. I include a, a new uh, introduction to the confession that I wrote myself, laying out some of the some of the changes that I've made to it. Uh, then there's a second half to the book that includes the Baptist Catechism. Um, that was written in 1693 as a complement to the confession, and it just takes all the doctrines outlined there in that confession of faith, only it puts it in the form of questions and answers. So just short, simple questions. It's meant for children, you know, for, for parents to, to um, pose these questions to their children, for their children to learn the answers. Moms and dads and, and their kids can look up the scripture passages together and, and uh, learn the contents of the, the Baptist Confession in, in, that, uh, in that method. So that, that's kind of the book in a nutshell. All right. So now let's... Let me get a good understanding, if I may, because, you know, I was raised Protestant and went to a non-denominational church for most of my teenage and what-so-have-you years. But so it sounds very Catholic in basis with confession, because when most people hear confession, and I know when I hear confession, the first thing that rings to my mind is the confession booth at a Catholic church. Now, this doctrine doesn't sound like it's between an individual and a past or a priest. Can you help people understand what the confession actually is other than just because I have a good idea, but I rather you one tell me and two, I'd hate to spit it out and sound foolish on it. 
Yeah, I really appreciate that that question. Um, so the word confession, as as we're using it here, um, is simply related to the word uh, I confess, as in I profess my my faith. So uh, this confession of faith is simply a a profession of the faith long held by uh, Baptist believers. So, uh, you know, a confession of faith, just in, in general terms, is, is simply a, a nice, concise summary of what a person believes that the Bible teaches on a variety of subjects, what the Bible teaches about God, what it teaches about God's Son, Jesus Christ, what it teaches about uh, the, the means by which a person is made right with God or brought into a relationship with God, what the Bible teaches about the, the church, it, its nature, its, its mission, its purpose, um, you know, what the Bible teaches about, say, angels and demons, and just on, on and on we could go. Um, that's mm -hmm. all that a, a confession of, of faith is. Uh, I mentioned the word catechism also sounds uh, a bit Roman yes. Catholic. Um, normally, you, you think of a, a catechism as being a, a tool that Roman Catholics would use yes. to teach the faith. Um, but actually, catechisms um, have a, a long history among Protestant churches as well. And uh, a, a catechism is, is simply... A, a confession of faith by a, a different method. It's, it's put into the form of questions and answers. And so you, you pose questions. Um, you know, who is God? What is God like? And the, the answers are provided to, to assist, especially children, in, uh, in understanding the, the contents of, of the Bible and, and what it teaches. So that's, that's what a confession is. That's what a, a catechism is. And there, as I said, during the 19th and 20th centuries especially, you saw a lot of, you know, Protestant churches uh, walking away from, from these tools. Mm -hmm. um, it was much more common for them to adopt um, what they called statements of faith, which are usually very, very uh, short, kind of bullet-pointed summaries of, of their core teachings. Um, but there's been a revival in the last few decades of confessions of faith, which are, which are just statements of faith, but they're much larger, more robust. Um, there's a more, um, more full summary of biblical teachings found in these. So just think of a confession of faith as, as a statement of faith in long form, okay? Oh. And then a catechism is the question and answer um, form of the confession. So if I was looking at your book and I had, say, another Baptist, a book for the Baptist, what would make your book the ideal book for me to grab? Because there's a lot of faith-based books out there. There's a lot of Christianity books out there. And I've spoken with, a couple authors who've written on Christianity topics and some on non-Christian, like general religious beliefs, spiritual, what so have you. If I'm looking at your book on the bookshelf, what makes your book stand out to me? Yeah. So this book is certainly not meant to replace any other good books on the bookshelves, um, but it is meant to be a, a good supplement. And 
it's designed with a, with a couple of different groups in mind. Uh, one group is for leaders of Baptist churches. And I would hope that uh, a leader, say, uh, you know, pastors, elders of, of Baptist churches, that they would want to pick this up and consider it as a teaching tool within their congregations. Um, they could work their way through the confession of faith, um, which, again, is just a summary of what Baptists have historically believed. Right. And they could they could use this as a teaching tool in their congregations uh, to help their congregations get better grounded in their own heritage, in the uh, the teachings that are essential um, to uh, to Baptist churches. And we've had some Baptist leaders actually purchase a copy for every household in their church so that people could take these home and and reference them on their own. Um, so I, I see it being used as, as a tool for local church leaders in that way. Um, some churches like mine have found it useful to adopt this confession of faith as the official doctrinal statement of their church. So they might want to do that. Um, but then the second group of people that I hope this will be useful for are, uh, are Christian parents, especially those who are committed to the Baptist heritage. And they would want to use this book um, for like family worship or family devotions at home, um, have the opportunity to pose the questions to their kids, um, help their kids um, learn the answers. And then as, as a family, they could look up the Bible verses together and, and see from the scriptures where these answers are, are coming from. All right. And what kind of tools are found in your book that's going to actually be useful to say the average person who they've read the Bible, but not cover to cover. They know some of the stories, but just vaguely the, the average person or the average reader of the Bible, the scriptures and things like that. What kind of tool would this help that person with? Yeah, I think this will help them to get a nice um, a nice summary of the whole picture of scriptural teaching. So uh, the Bible is a, a very big book, as mm -hmm. you know. Um, most Christians have not even read the entire Bible cover to cover. Um, or those who have maybe have, have struggled to understand, you know, how it all relates together. Well, that's where this could be useful. Um, you know, it's, a, it's a short book and its purpose is to summarize the contents of the Bible in just a very nice, short, systematic way. Um, so, for example, what does the Bible teach about God, you know, his, his nature, his activities in the world, his, his, his purposes, you know, why did he create me? What does he want me to do with, with the life that he gave me? Okay, the, these kinds of things are, are found within the confession of faith in a nice, simple, systematic way. And so you can get a good, good grasp of, of the Bible as a whole. Just kind of looking at it, if I, maybe if I can put it in this way, in a Reader's Digest version. Yeah. All right. And hopefully some people remember Reader's Digest. I don't even know if they're still That's around. Right. That's right. But they definitely, which they were handy to get like little sections. So I understand what you're saying there. 
Yeah. So or the that, Cliff Notes version, if yeah, I think people would know that. Yeah, I think people might know Cliff Notes a little better mm -hmm. at this point of time. Mm -hmm. But with that, I mean, what what is the main focus of it in the sense of like and bear with me because one, like I said, I was raised Protestant, so understanding the Baptist. All right, well, what about this then? Since I have been raised Protestant, I understand the Protestant religion. I understand the basics of Catholicism. I really don't know anything about baptism. If I pick up this book as a Protestant or somebody of a different denomination of the Christianity faith, what would this show me? Yeah, so you will find a, a good explanation of what makes Baptists uh, distinctive. So, um, of course, you've got you've got Protestantism, which is the broad umbrella term. Right. There are lots of denominations um, underneath that Protestant umbrella, right? Yes. So there are Presbyterians, there are Congregationalists, there are Lutherans, there are Baptists, there are um, non-denominational uh, right. churches, and and they all come under this broad umbrella of of Protestantism. Um, there are some things that we all hold in common, right? We all understand that um, we are saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, based on the completed work of, of Christ alone, right? All Protestants, at least historically, all Protestants have held to the, the five solas, right? Mm -hmm. um, scripture alone, right, is our is our final authority. And, you know, God's grace alone is the basis of our salvation. Faith alone is the means by which we are saved. Um, all things are to the glory of God alone. Um, so we all share these these common convictions. Um, what historically has has um, divided the denominations is in our distinctive ways of understanding how churches are supposed to be governed, or you know who are the proper um, subjects of baptism, what is the proper mode of baptism, um, who qualifies for membership into the the local church. Um, what is the the proper relationship between the the church and and the state? Okay, these are the kinds of things that um, create the different denominations. So, uh, in the case of Baptists, uh, here are some of the things that that make us uh, distinctive. Um, one is that uh, we are convinced from Scripture that only those who have professed faith in Christ. Are, are proper subjects for baptism. So in other words, uh, we would not baptize an infant because an infant has not yet been able to profess faith for themselves, right? I think baptism is something that, that should follow personal faith. Mm -hmm. um, furthermore, we think that, that the proper way to conduct a baptism, right, is to immerse the, the subject in a pool of water and to raise them from the water, signifying their personal identification with the, the life, the death and burial, then the resurrection 
of Christ. And, and again, we're we're convinced from the scriptures that that this is so. Um, Baptists also have insisted that church and state um, ought to be separate from each other. In other words, the uh, the government has no rightful authority to appoint the leaders of the church. They have no mm -hmm. rightful authority to tell the church how it's supposed to conduct its worship. Um, the government has no right to tell the church what doctrines it ought to teach. Uh, the government has has no rightful authority to punish a church for teaching things that it disagrees with, for appointing leaders that it doesn't approve of, and, and things like this. So uh, a free church in a free state is the ideal in, in the Baptist understanding. This does distinguish us from other Protestant denominations. Um, I would say th those are those are the two the two big ones. Um, uh, perhaps a third a third um, uh, distinctive would be our insistence on the uh, exclusive authority of the New Testament scriptures to determine how the local church ought to be um, ought to be um, governed. And so, for example, we don't call our ministers priests, right? That's an Old Testament reality. Right. We call them pastors. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't bring uh, the burning of incense into <laughs> our worship services. That was an Old Testament reality. That happened in the, the temple, right? Right. Of Israel. So we look to the New Testament scriptures exclusively as we're trying to understand what God would desire from our worship. So right. it, these, are, these are the things that make Baptists um, different from other Protestants. And you find all of these outlined in the uh, book that uh, I've recently published. Okay. And so with that, I can be able to like I said, I was non-denominational was the churches I went to. So I, a lot of these things that you discuss are similar to the things that my church still to this day kind of holds to. And luckily I can stay with them thanks to the video and YouTube's channels, things like that. But with that, what, what do you find most people get from your book? What's the... Because you've said your congregation has read it, other pastors have had have used it, and they've given it to their congregation as well. What have you heard back from them that they say they find most valuable of your book? Yeah, there are a couple of things that they've expressed to me. Um, one is is that a lot of people really appreciate seeing just how. Um, just how far back, I guess, the uh, the Baptist faith extends, and it gives them a real sense of their place in in history. Um, it gives them a sense that they have have really received a a beautiful inheritance from their forefathers. Um, in other words, the the faith that we profess today, um, it's not a faith that that um, was invented yesterday. You know, it's right. it's not something that, that we have 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 come up with on our own, but it has a long and, and rich pedigree. I mean, many of the the chapters of the Baptist Confession uh, are outlining teachings that that come from the first centuries of the church. I mean, clearly from the from the New Testament scriptures themselves. 
but also articulated by the early church fathers there in the first centuries after mm -hmm. the church was born, carrying right on through. And then for some of those distinctives, we find hundreds and hundreds of years of, of development of these doctrines. So it's given people a really good sense of just the, the long history um, behind the, the teachings that we believe. Um, it's also been really useful in getting people back into the Bible because um, you know, every, every single sentence just about of this book is followed with a footnote. And that footnote right. leads you to Bible references. And so just the other day, I was I was talking to someone in their home and uh, from our church. And I saw a copy of my book on their <laughs> um, table. And they told me they were reading through it one sentence at a time. And whenever <laughs> they came upon a footnote, they said they were pausing, getting out their Bible. They're flipping to the passage in the scriptures to see the Bible verses that this um that this um doctrinal statement came from and so it's been really useful in getting christians back into their bibles really digging in and and trying to um to understand the biblical basis for the things that we believe because you know so often um a, a person will be will be taught Mm -hmm. Say from their pastor or maybe from a book they've read, they'll be taught doctrines and they'll just embrace them, but they haven't really personally wrestled through them or they haven't really dug into to the Bible to understand the, the foundation for these teachings. So this book has been really helpful in getting people back into their Bibles, I think. OK, which getting to know the Bible, actually, I know reading it, even if it's one verse at a time here and there understanding and building your faith that way is much better than listening to somebody else tell you what to believe. And don't get me wrong, pastors are very helpful tools. I think it was Paul Harvey who said, made the comment about the reason that everyone goes to church, even if you don't remember the the service, is it fills you, fills you up just like your wife's cooking does. Hmm. So I find that very true. And But here's one thing that kind of has me has my mind stuck on the fact of when you talked about the confession being written back in the 1600s. Yeah. I think of William Shakespeare's writing style at yeah. that time. And anybody that's tried to read William Shakespeare in its original form, I have like the collection of his original writing forms and they gave me a headache. I mean, <laughs> sure. It's difficult, to, right? Oh, it is. And more power to anyone that can read it. But it's, I mean, the texts and the stories are very intriguing. But to be able to get through the original style of writing is hard. And even though it's English, it's a different type of English, just like our English will probably be different than what it will be in a couple hundred years. What do you do to try to help people navigate that because you said everything's based off of that confession so are you giving it word for word of the confession or are you translating it into today's form of english yeah so um for for the most part i have i have maintained the uh, old english of that confession um 
which does create um, sentence structures that are longer than people are, you know, used to these days. Mm -hmm. And once in a while, it might in, it might also include some vocabulary that people are not as familiar with. Um, but I decided to keep the original wording there um, for a couple of reasons. Um, one is that a lot of the the language and vocabulary uh, of this is is language and vocabulary that the church has been using um, to to understand the scriptures for a very long time. And so I think there was a there was a risk in altering the language uh, simply for that reason. Um, I think it's good for us to know some of the uh, historic vocabulary of our of our faith. Um, for example, you know, the word sanctification. Okay, It's a, it's a big word. Um, <laughs> people may not be terribly familiar with that word, um, at least on first reading. But it's been used by the church for so long to describe the process of spiritual growth. That, that's what sanctification is, our, the process of spiritual growth for a believer. So, so I didn't want to jettison language that the church has been using for so long to describe key concepts. Um, but there are some cases where I would make substitutions in words, just because the word isn't just unfamiliar, but the meaning has changed over time. And so right. I, I would get rid of the word if the actual meaning has changed and put in uh, a new word. So, so for example, you know, in Elizabethan times, the word conversation referred to your lifestyle. Today, conversation refers to what we're doing now, just talking right. back and forth. So the, the word has actually changed what it means. So huh. things like that needed to be substituted. Um, also, remember, this is this is not a um, uh, a book of poems. It's not a novel. It's not a Shakespearean play. It's a confession of faith. And so people are going to be taking this kind of one sentence at a time. So you're taking it just in really small pieces. OK, I think even if the language is a little bit unfamiliar, you should be able to digest it if you're just going through it this little chunk at a time. All right. And, uh, and so it. Um, you know, I, I have encountered a, a couple of people who have said, you know, I've had to take this very slowly <laughs> because I'm not accustomed to to the sentence structures of this and so forth. But I've not yet encountered anyone who said it was beyond their ability to grasp. So if you'll just uh, do the do the work, you know, read carefully, take your time. Um, I think you'll find it really, really profitable. All right. So what it really sounds a lot like is, like you said, it's not a novel, like a fictional novel or anything like that, but it's a book that's meant to be a tool in education and growth for somebody instead of. So anyone that picks it up should not expect to just blow right through it to learn. They should just use, like you said, one light at a time, which I'm horrible about that just because. Okay. Yeah. Like we discussed earlier, you have two kids. Mine's my oldest is younger than your youngest. So, mm. and my youngest, I think, is a, almost a year and a half. So, reading time is very slim there. Yeah, sometimes you have to wait until after the kids go to bed before you can pick up a book. Oh, uh, exactly. Um, yeah, people should think of this book as a reference tool. So, when you want to understand a doctrine of scripture, Find the chapter that speaks to that doctrine 
or if there is a um, a portion of scripture that you would like a better grasp of. Okay, look for that portion of scripture in the book and and see what part of the confession um, addresses that. So think of it more as a reference work that you would you would look to. Or in the case of the catechism, think of it as a teaching tool for your children that you will take just one, maybe one question a night in family devotions and, and cover it in that manner. Yes, it's not meant to be read, you know, start to finish all the way through in one sitting and then put back on your on your shelf. You know, it's something you, like a dictionary or, or uh, an encyclopedia, something that you reference over and over again. All right, which brings up a good question now for me because I was thinking of it, like you said, you start from the front, you work your way to the back, and you go, like you said, line by line to learn everything. But what you just said sounds like you can go to, I'm assuming, an index or something in the book and find that either verse or that topic that you're looking for. Is that what you're saying, or how do you choose or find what you're looking for in your book? That's right. So when you go to the table of contents in the book, you're going to find that each chapter has been divided by category. So chapter one discusses the Holy Scriptures, chapter two, the Holy Trinity, chapter three, God's decrees, chapter four, the creation, and, and on and on it goes, you know, the doctrine of man, of sin, and of angels, of demons. So um, the, the subject that you need a better grasp of, okay, um, just look to the table of contents and find where that subject is addressed and you can go to that for greater understanding and then all of the the scripture references are included at the bottom of the pages as footnotes so you can also easily uh, do a flip through the book and and catch the references at the bottom of the pages if there's a specific portion of scripture that you would like to have a, a better grasp of and, and then just follow follow that reference to the appropriate footnote in the confession and and to find out what it has to say. Well, it sounds perfect. And it sounds like there's a lot of information, a lot of things to help people get back into, like you said, into the Bible, mm -hmm. realize and understand what the real life confession is saying. So I don't want to take up all your time. I know we had a bit of a early conversation before that took up a bit time too. What, what do you feel is the best place for people to find you? Because I have a profile for you on authorblurb.com where I have all the links you've given me, but where do you think people should find you if they want to contact you, read the book or, or ask you questions? Okay. So if people want to, to reach out to me personally, they should go to my church website. That's gracebaptistmarshall.com, okay, gracebaptistmarshall.com. And then just go to the contact us section. You'll find my email address there. Uh, so you can reach me through there. You'll also find me on Facebook. Um, just, just look for me under my name, and then you'll see um, lead pastor of Grace Baptist Church of Marshall, Michigan, and you'll know you found the right person. So that's how you can reach out to me. Uh, if you want the book, you should be able to find that anywhere books are sold. So you find it on Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble. Uh, we also have a page on our church website, uh, gracebaptistmarshall.com slash book. And we have a preview of the book there. We, we have um, 
the endorsements listed there, a chapter uh, summaries. So um, you could also check out the book there and, and you can place an order right from the church uh, web page as well. Sounds perfect. So, Brandon, I appreciate you being here. I've enjoyed learning about your book and talking with you. I'm going to have you hold on for just a few moments, but this is going to be the end for everybody else. So, again, thank you for joining us. Thank you for letting me learn about your book, and hopefully other people find it as useful and as powerful as I found the conversation to be. Yeah, I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you. So thank you for making it this far. Remember, you can go to authorblurb.com where there's plenty of stuff there for you to find. Enjoy another author. Enjoy finding that book that you love. So take the time. Do me a favor. Share. Subscribe. Enjoy the show and tell others. Thank you.